Warning, this episode may contain explicit language and spoilers for the entirety of the Reordinverse. What's up, guys? JDs and Lennelman, welcome back to another solo episode with me, Kate. And I am recording a little recappy cap of um, the Chalice of the Gods. Joe is not here because she's a loser and because she doesn't want to read Chalice of the Gods until we get to it in the timeline, which is ridiculous to me. But she's she's on her own journey. It's fine. It's fine. Anyways, I finished the book like. I don't know, a week ago, and I've been putting off doing this episode because I don't know how I feel about this book. I don't know how I feel. Um, before I get into anything, it's going to be a full spoiler episode because that's the only way I know how to get my thoughts out of my brain. Little disclaimer, the fan is on, 30 degrees, get off my dick, whatever. I'm not editing this episode, I'm just going to put it straight up because I. that's how we're rolling the dice today. Um, so yeah, this is a little solo descent into the story that is The Lost Sippy Cup. Don't come for me. That's exactly what this story is, okay? Okay, we're understanding. Now, Charles of the Gods, I had high hopes, okay? I had high hopes because I wanted it to be as good as the original PJ, like Percy Jackson. I wanted it to be amazing. I had all of these hopes for it. And coming off like the brilliance of Sun and the Star, I thought that this was going to be amazing. Was I disappointed? Um, yeah, kinda. And I'm like sad to say it. And I, it's kind of confusing because disappointed with the plot? No. Disappointed with the way that this was written and the tone of voice? Yes, absolutely. Because this to me did not feel like a Percy Jackson book. It felt like half fan fiction, half screenplay. And I'll get into that a little bit um, later. But yeah, this definitely, like it just wasn't, it didn't hit the same. And I know that it wasn't supposed to hit the same. Don't come for me. But this is just how I'm feeling. And yeah, so that's, it's, oh. I'm excited to have two more books after this because yes, it was released. There's at least a second one coming, um, which I'm assuming is about Hecate because it's a three, three-faced goddess or three, three-bodied goddess, something like that. So I'm assuming it's Hecate. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I really want the second one to kind of redeem the first one for me. But unless Rick changes his style a bit more, to go back to <laughs> the OG Percy. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Because this book, it felt like, I mean, we come across a nostalgia trap in the book anyway, and I'll get to that. But this book felt like a nostalgia trap, if I'm honest. Like, he has, Rick put so many references to the original series in there that it just, it felt like a, look at this, look at this, look at this, to try and ignore or to try and distract from what was actually going on and I kind of didn't like that and I didn't like that that was Percy's like apart from his I love Annabeth no one has ever been for me except Annabeth monologue which is a lie but it's also <laughs> like inaccurate to a simp um <laughs> like yeah the rest of Percy's personality to me just felt off in this book and I really can't explain why like uh, the original series just felt so gritty and so like real because it was based on like other I'm saying like a lot based on you know original myths and that kind of thing and so this one just felt a little 
don't know, off is like the only way that I can explain this properly. But yeah, okay, I'm kind of spiraling, so let's do, I don't know how long this episode's going to be, but let's do um, a little recap of each of the points in this book. So I've kind of broken it up into three parts. We've got the introduction with um, Ganymede and and Hebe, Hebe, I'm assuming it's Hebe, uh, and then the second part will be Iris and Ellison and Sally's, you know, breaking news, and then the third part will be Garrus and Brunch which I have a thing against Percy for having a thing against brunch. Bitch has obviously never been on brunch because that shit slaps. And I I was like, this is a weird stance to be taking against brunch. I've never heard of anybody be against brunch. Maybe against 8am. I kind of understand not drinking at 8am. And I kind of understand if Percy wouldn't like drinking because of the way that he grew up around Gabe. But I'm still like, you haven't had brunch with me, Percy, so you don't know. I'm fun as hell. Anyways, so let's get into the first um, section then. I'll give us a little overview and then I'll, you know, give us my thoughts because it's just me and I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. Okay, so the story opens up and it pretty much gives us uh, the lay of the land from the get-go. Percy has to complete quests for gods if he wants recommendation letters for college because the Romans won't just let him in on merit even though they've seen what he can do. It's ridiculous to me, but honestly, pretty on brand for the suckiness of the Romans. Uh, Yeah, anyway, so it starts out with him sitting in the guidance counsellor Nymph's office. Her name is Eudora or or Eudora, something like that. Uh, And she basically flushes him into the ocean in a blue plastic chair. And all I could think of was the beep, 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 beep meme of people flying through space. And it was just him on a blue plastic chair. And I loved that for me. Um, Yeah, so he went down to see Poseidon and basically confirmed everything that Eudora said. And then... Yeah, he gets given like a he has like a sign up sheet that's been put up in Olympus for any gods who need need a quest out of Percy, and basically he gets one the next day. He's sitting at Himbo Juice, which is a great name. Uh, feels like Rick really googled what are the kids saying these days and put that in there. Um, he's having some smoothies with with the crew, Grover and Annabeth. We love to see them. Uh, yeah, and then Ganymede shows up, and someone has stolen his special sippy cup of the gods. The CV cup is missing, which is just distressing, right? And Ganymede is a sleigh, honestly. He he is oh, just dressed to the nines, most beautiful man you've ever seen, uh, characteristically afraid of Zeus, which struck me as a little bit odd because, like, at this point in the series, Zeus isn't the big bad guy. Like, this is before Trials of Apollo, so it's a little bit a little bit weird to me that a god is like outwardly displaying such fear Zeus energy which really I I mean maybe I'm a bit being a bit naive but I feel like that wasn't really presented in the Royal Universe until Apollo's perspective but maybe I'm wrong anyways so then uh yeah his sippy cup is gone they have to try and figure out who took it and first kind of suspect I guess is Hebe and Iris because they used to be the 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 sippy cup holder, the chalice bearer, cup bearer. What's the? I couldn't figure the word. They used to be the cup bearer for the gods, and so they were like, maybe there's a bit of jealousy there. So we'll go and see uh, Hebe. So then they go to Times Square, where Hebe has her nostalgia lair, her nostalgia trap uh, called Hebe Jeebies, which is a great name because that's what it gives me. And yeah, they go inside. She her her magic is come and sing a karaoke song it'll make you 20 years younger which if that was true i would be fucking eternally youthful which amazing no actually not amazing i really don't like my younger self 
but that's a story for another day. Um, yeah. So they go in. Hebe is immediately like, oh, you're suspecting me? Immediate offense, which, fair. Because they didn't, they didn't go about it the right way, which was just, you know, kind of funny. It's like they learnt nothing, really, which is hilarious. Uh, yeah, and so then she turns them into extremely young versions of themselves. I can't, were they eight? I think so. I think they were eight years old is what she turned them into. Uh, and she told them that, you know, she always, that eight is a great age because that's the way that she's presenting at the moment. He is. And, um, yeah, cause it's like young enough to remember everything and still like have a little bit of, a little bit of agency and like where to go and like that kind of thing. And, um, yeah. And then she says that she has to be like the youngest person in the room, that kind of thing at all times. And so then, they're like running and then she disappears and they're like running around trying to get back to their like actual age uh and so they come up with this plan to steal a chicken a baby chicken and the plan is not really clear until it is executed which that was giving original percy vibes that was i was loving that um yeah and so annabeth always has the plan and she brings this this tiny chicken into the same room as hebe and then hebe all of a sudden becomes an incoherent baby because she has to be the youngest person in the room and obviously the chick is currently the youngest so has she just never met this chick before i thought that they were running around anyways yeah so then um she eventually turns them back into themselves can't imagine why they would want to be their own age and then basically says it wasn't me who did it maybe go talk to someone else and that's when they go to talk to Iris. So some little thoughts that I had about this uh, section. First of all, is that Poseidon, when we meet him again, he has upgraded his style and I love it so much for him. He is no longer just waiting around for Mar Margaritaville to open, okay? He is also now upgrading his shoe game and he has added Crocs and Socks to the equation and I love that for him and I want to know what gibbets he has on his crocs because I really feel like he would have like a whale tail on the back <laughs> sorry I'm just laughing to myself because I realized how wrong that sounds oh god oh god flashback to Megan Mullally in Parks and Rec sporting a whale tail for Ron Swanson inappropriate Kate Anyways, <laughs> oh god. So there's also um, one of the other notes that I had was at the very beginning when Percy is, you know, finding out about the the quest that he has to go on, and he sees the picture that they put on the flyer in Olympus. It's like a picture of him in the bathroom mirror with like toothpaste hang and toothbrush hanging out of his mouth, and I just. <laughs> conversation surrounding like how did they get this photo and was there somebody in his mirror and that kind of thing like somebody literally at their most vulnerable i look like shit when i'm brushing my teeth so that's that's really funny to me uh and it's exactly the vibe that i have been missing this whole time uh next note that i had is that camp half blood becomes a gourd farm in in fall like in winter have we never heard of this and there's going to be an episode uh with hercules in it that comes out after this episode sometime and i mentioned it there to joe because i'd already finished reading the book but i was like like we've only ever heard strawberry farm but obviously strawberries are out of season at points so like we have to have something else and i just didn't think that <laughs> they would be magic gourds which is inherently funny because they're demigods so now they're growing demigods you know <laughs> oh god 
in saying that, Rick, I need a pumpkin patch Halloween short story. I know that I loathe the short stories that you've written, but I really feel like you could give it your best shot. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, then we're jumping to at the Himbo Juice place. Uh, there's one of, I can't remember what the juice is called, but there's like a line that Ganymede is afraid that the juice is going to grow claws and attack him. And <laughs> I thought that was, oh, because it's about an eagle? <laughs> that was really funny. Um, yeah, and then <laughs> when Ganymede is like presenting his case to uh, Percy and Annabeth and Grover, they're like talking about Hera at one point because Grover, because uh, Ganymede is like, "Look, I have to still like look my best because I have to still present. I can't show up without my sippy cup because then everybody will know, and it'll be really embarrassing and also really bad for me." And because Hera's always had it out for me anyway. And then he throws out the phrase, it's not my fault. I have nicer legs than she does. <laughs> and I just laughed because it is so like Hera to have beef with literally all of Zeus's consorts. And I'm like, bitch, you don't even like him. He's literally just a guy. You don't even like him. That's your brother. Why do you care who he's fucking? Okay. I don't care that you're the goddess of marriage. That's not a good enough reason to be butthurt that your brother's fucking someone else. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I've already talked about that, that, that. Okay, so this was this next bit. When they got to heebie-jeebies and they were, they were wandering around trying to find heebie, there was one thing that really... I know this is a really petty thing to be stuck on, but it was like a theme for the rest of the book. And it really rubbed me the wrong way. The way that, like, Percy is thinking onto the page does not translate well or does not follow on well from the original series. Like, if you were a kid who read the first five books and they were amazing, didn't want to read Heroes, and you were just at the library and you picked up Chalice of the Gods because it says Percy Jackson and the Chalice of the Gods, right? You pick it up because you think it's the next Percy Jackson book in the timeline. You would go from reading The Last Olympian to reading Chalice of the Gods, and if it was me, I would fucking put it down. If I'm being honest, like if I was a kid that this is aimed at, I would literally would be like, well, that's obviously not written by the same person. Well, that's not the same person that I just finished reading in Last Olympian. And that's crazy to me. But like, because the way that Percy thinks in Chalice of the Gods is so wildly different. He literally like, d he says all of his intentions on the page, which is so not like OG Percy. OG Percy lays you know, little nuggets and then lets you figure it out for himself or he mentions random shit and then puts it together later. So one thing that really rubbed me the wrong way was when they got to heebie-jeebies, he pointed out a pool and he was like, ah, yes, good to know where the pool is because sometimes I don't have access to water and I need to make sure that I have access to water at all times and just really being really blunt and not letting the audience or the reader put anything together for themselves like yes we get it you're a child of poseidon that's so obvious that you would have water powers i don't need you to point out where the water source is because also i'm like we learned in last olympian that you don't fucking need a water source you are the water source babe so that makes no sense to me so yeah i was really kind of annoyed about that the other thing that i was annoyed about as i was reading the heebie-jeebie section was just there was such a focus on like rick making like boomer jokes and gen z jokes and they just they didn't hit me the same because I, I really don't think he understands gen z humor or zillennial humor because that's what i am i am a cusper in between millennials and gen z that's just what it is i don't know what the name is i'm calling it a zillennial but like I, he doesn't get the humor of that age group and i think that the audience for this book might have been really hard for him to define because there are obviously a lot of 
OG Percy Jackson fans who have been around since we read them in middle grade years. Like, those books were for us when we were that age, when they were coming out. So, like, I think that he was trying to find the line between kids who are that age who are reading them now and kids who were that age who are also reading them now, which is just, like, totally different sets of people, obviously, and, like, demographics. And so I really... I'm not sure that him <laughs> writing in this bit was towing the line in the right way. Uh, yeah. So it just, like, that was a little bit eh to me. Um, and that's all the notes that I had about the first section. So let's get on to the second section. So after all that, we've got um, Iris and the River Ellison and Sally's big news. So really, they're like, okay, well, Hebe didn't work. So we have to get into contact with um, Iris. And what's the best way to do that? Oh, my God. How about her daughter? We know someone who's connected to Iris. And it's her daughter. Woo! So introducing a new character. This is Blanche. Blanche is my new favorite person in the entire Raiden verse. And I'm not even joking because they sound like a full fucking sleigh. Okay? They, they played a prank on camp at a campfire that was so unbelievably genius and did it deadpan and then... <laughs> no one else found it funny i would find that fucking funny okay i love that they're a child of iris and that they literally could not care about the rainbow whatsoever literally couldn't care less and i love that iris knows that and is like half being respectful of blanche's interests and also half trying to convince blanche that the rainbow is the way to go <laughs> and i love that blanche is like well that's good for you, but I'm going to stick with my black and white. Like, it's just, <laughs> Iris sends her a scarf, and is like, did you get that really cute, like, pink scarf I sent you in the mail? And Blanche is like, yeah, I got it. I'm not going to wear it, but thank you. <laughs> and I just, Percy, like, makes a note when they meet Iris later that um, Blanche has found the secret to keeping, you know, your godly parents' attention, and that's to display indifference towards them. And I'm like, I don't actually think that's it. I think that Blanche is just the first demigod that we've seen go, yeah, well, I didn't attract this god for myself. It was my parent that attracted this god. So this god represents my my parents' wants and needs in a partner, not my wants and needs for my personality. You know what I mean? Like when people do their demigod who's your godly parent quiz they like base the godly parent on what their interests are and i'm like no because you're not the one who attracted the god your parent is the one who attracted the god so i might think that i am a child of poseidon but i actually probably would be a child of like hephaestus or demeter or like maybe athena because that's what my parents are into so you know i just thought it was kind of funny because i'm like yeah anyways 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 that was that was a lot <laughs> so then yeah they speak to iris <coughs> excuse me <coughs> excuse me that was disgusting for your ears anyway i'm still sick what's new yeah they meet iris iris is like um how dare you accuse me of that and now go clean my stuff for me in the river so they take uh <laughs> they take her staff which is it like a messenger staff i don't even really know she doesn't seem to use it for anything it's really crusty though. So they take it and then Percy goes on like a solo journey to the River Ellison just to like stake it out, you know? And then he immediately gets there and goes, this is bad vibes and I am in danger. So I'm going to go get my friends. So then he goes home and um, he brings them back with him the next time instead. And then as soon as they get there, they kind of have to like split up. And I'm not going to lie. I skim read this bit because it was like 11 o'clock at night and I was just trying to get through it and I didn't go back to it. <laughs> So this is what I got from my skim reading, right? Um, 
yeah, they like immediately split up and Percy and Annabeth went to go get the staff cleaned while talking to Ellison, the river god, the, 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 the Potter, Potter Mac, what are they called? I don't know. They said it in the book. Anyways, the, it just means river god. Um, yeah, they went to go talk to him. And so Grover was tasked with keeping all the horned serpents away, which I'm not going to lie. The horned serpents are like super cute. And I think that they're supposed to be based on Cerastes or, or Cerastes. Um, which are little, like, <laughs> little horned serpents that, to capture prey, they, like, bury themselves in the ground with just their little horns pointing up. And sometimes they have ram's horns, sometimes they just have little pointy horns. Um, I'm imagining, like, the little knobby things on, like, a giraffe, but on a snake, you know. <laughs> so then they bury themselves in the ground so that just their little horns are sticking up so that animals will come along and think that they're food and then just try to eat the horns. And then the snake is like, ha ha, got you, bitch. And, like, <laughs> jumps out of the ground and just, like, eats them. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, funny. So Grover is, like, keeping them occupied while Annabeth and Percy are talking with um, Ellison and Ellison is like having a big old stink up because everybody's stinking up his river and he's like this is my last clean spot and you want to fucking ruin it with that crusty ass fucking stuff that's disgusting which now that I'm saying crusty ass stuff out loud that sounds really bad <laughs> and then I think Percy and Ellison have like a big fight and Percy almost dies again or drowns or something. But then Percy like uses the power of the rainbow because the stick's all clean and then he like flies. And that's the cover actually on the Australian version, which is very pretty, um, but not the moment that I would have chosen to, to put on the cover, I don't think. But now that I am thinking about it, I don't actually know what I would have chosen to go on the cover. What's on the American cover? I don't even remember. Oh, wait, the American cover is just like literally the chalice. No, I don't like that either. Turns out I don't like it at all. Wow. Okay. This is good to know for now. Um, yeah. Anyway, then after that or before that, I don't even really remember. Percy has a swim meet at some point and I just could not get it out of my head. This was like something that stuck in my head because yes, loving it, loving the casual vibes that we're flipping in between. This is how it feels like fan fiction. Like Percy trying to go about his day-to-day -day life and then also having a quest and then going about his day-to-day -day life and then going and have a quest and then having dinner with his parents and his girlfriend and then going to have a quest. Like I <laughs> just love the ping pong in between because I too would be fucking tired of that shit anyway so they have a swim meet and i was angry reading about it i was like happy to see percy like yes you know the whole dash from the incredibles don't go too fast so that you win and show off your powers but also don't lose because that's embarrassing for a son of poseidon you know like that kind of vibe but i was angry because it seemed like rick did zero research about swim meets and okay I also have done zero research regarding American swim meets, but I can tell you right now, that is not how they go in Australia at all. As somebody who was a, I was about to say professional swimmer, a competitive swimmer for like 12 years. And I went to countless competitions. That was every weekend of my entire life for 12 years. That's not how, or that's not the kind of races that you would do at a swim meet. 500 meters? No. No. Who was doing 500 meters? That's not a thing. And I was a long distance swimmer. So I fucking know. The distances that you swim are 400, 800, and 1500. There's no 500 in there. Percy, what the fuck? Rick, what the fuck? This is the, a weird hill to be dying on. But I am here. And I'm dying on it. I'm literally dying. Because that's how I felt. 
Anyway, so then Percy goes home and has dinner, and that's when Sally, like, reveals that she's pregnant. And I was a little bit confused because they were all waiting for Percy to, like, blow up as if he was a terrible person for, like, his mum being pregnant and, like, his reaction to that. They were expecting him to be really horrible about it. And I'm that makes me sad because I'm like, well, what do you think of your son if you thought he was going to be horrible about no longer being an only child? What about his personality kind of, like, told you that that would be the case? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Especially for someone who loves their mum so much. Why would he... Yeah, anyways. So that was... I was kind of like, oh. Anyway, then they go to give uh, Iris's staff back to her um, and in exchange for, like, information. Because after she was, like, offended, like Hebe was, that they were kind of accusing her, she was like, well, it's not me, but I can go and find some stuff out of you. Because did you know, I used to be a messenger goddess. <laughs> so then she goes, yeah, she's found all this information and she's, like, willing to give it to them um, for the for the staff being cleaned. And then she's like, but you'll also need um, this vial of, like, true nectar, which don't open because you'll die but use it anyway, <laughs> which is funny. And then she's like, no, no, but it, it costs $5. And they're like, what? $5? That is too high a price. And I love that she felt vindicated in that moment. I don't know if, like, everybody's seen Friends, but I don't know if anybody is deep in Friends lore or, like, can recall it like Joe and I can. If she were here, she would understand the ref this reference. But there's a point in one of the episodes where Joey and um, Rachel are making a deal. And, of course, Joey's gullible. And... Rachel is like, I will give you 10 Ralph Lauren shirts if you do this for me. And he goes, one. No, 10. You said 10. You can't take that back. Um, and I just, that's the vibe I was feeling when Iris was like, it'll cost you $5. <laughs> I just love how out of touch they are. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, that was the other thing that pissed me off about the swim meet. Swimming and diving, okay? Because Percy does... A he does races and then there's like a diving section rick do you not know that these are two wildly different sports swimming and diving do not mix okay again i don't know how it works in american schools but oh my god it's a completely different skill set i could not walk up to a high dive and be like yeah i'm gonna be amazing at this i understand that you can lend a little bit of he's a son of poseidon-ness to this storyline but if he's trying to prove to other students that he is normal then he would just pick one sport. He wouldn't do swimming and diving. He wouldn't do both. I understand that it was probably just put in there to make a reference to, like, the St. Louis Arch moment um, so that kids who were, like, reading it would be like, oh, my God, yes, lightning thief moment. We love it so much. But there's, like, a 100 of those in there, so he probably didn't need it. So, like, we don't need the diving moment. We don't, Rick, okay? Because diving and swimming, pick one. You don't get to have both. You will not see Michael Phelps going off the high dive. That's not how it works. <laughs> Pick a sport. Oh, God. I feel really old saying all of this. Anyway, so that's pretty much all I have for, like, the, 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 middle, the middle part. So let's get to the third part, the final, final part. Okay, so this one is all about Garrus and brunch. Um, so, yeah, they go to the park to find the guy who stole the sippy cup. Everyone that they've talked to won't tell any won't tell them anything about him because he's apparently such a bad guy all we know is his name is gary or something which is not really his name um his name is garris so they go to the park and garris immediately separates the three of them they have to use the little nectar to like put a drop in the air and then they have to like follow it um because it'll like lead them to garris don't ask me how that works because i do not know i don't know um Anyway, they follow it, and so Garrus is basically, they all go in, like, separate directions, which they think is weird, and so then Garrus, like, stops time, kind of, or, like, slows it down, because he's the god of old age, and he targets Percy and goes up to him, and he's like, hey, do you know who I am? And Percy's like, oh, <laughs> 
you know who I am? <laughs> oh, God. And then Percy kind of pisses him off, and so uh, that's usual. Um, so Garrus is like, hey, well, we're going to have a wrestling match, which you're definitely going to lose, so fuck you. And then Grover and Annabeth, like, are, like, brought out of their, you know, trance to come over and basically watch this losing wrestling match. And Adamant's like, Percy, you can't do this. You'll never win. Ra rah, rah. He's old age. It's literally a concept. You cannot fight old age. Um, I feel like there's a story, actually, about this in Norse mythology. And I was trying to explain to Joe how someone fights a concept. And she was like, that makes no sense. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. You won't win. And yet Thor won. Or maybe it was Hercules. I don't really remember. Um... Anyways, so, yeah, Percy, like, manages to defeat him with some, like, kill him with kindness, win a war with a dance battle and the power of friendship. Like, that's the kind of strategy that he's using because he turns around and he embraces old age. And I'm like, bitch, you're 17. If you were embracing old age, then you would be 35 like the fandom thinks that you are. Or whatever age is <laughs> supposed to be. How long ago was she? 2005? No one knows. Too long. <laughs> Um, so basically he like pities Garrus into giving him the sippy cup. I like, like the, you know, idea that Garrus stole it because he was like, too many people are being made immortal and evading me. But I'm like, bitch, there's so many people in the whole entire world. Why do you care about one or two people that are made immortal once in a never? Like that makes no sense. <laughs> like Garrus should have been so mad at Gaia for bringing people back from the dead, you know? He should have been, like, the fucking gatekeeper. <laughs> if he was so mad about it, then he should have been like, um, Gaia, what the fuck? Because <laughs> remember, guys, this is right after Heroes. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Duh. So, yeah. He, like, pities Percy, basically. And is like, oh my god, you made me cry because no one's ever hugged me before. I'm so touch-starved, but I'll wrestle you. <laughs> so he, like, gives Percy the chalice, and Percy's like, oh, this is basically a bowl. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> and then he has to, like, take it to Olympus because, oh my god, the the meeting that he supposedly had days until is actually starting now. Classic Rick. So then <laughs> they have to, like, go to the Empire State Building and fool um, the guards into letting them upstairs into the elevator. And I was like, oh, this is just some classic, some classic, like, oh, my God, I'm blanking on the word. It's just hijinks, classic hijinks from Percy and Annabeth and Grover. It's giving me all of my lightning thief wonderfulness that I wanted. See, like, this is the way that you call back to their closeness without literally going, hey, looky here, here's a really obvious reference to, like, what happened before. Oh, my God, also there was a damn joke that I missed. There's one in there. I forgot what it's about, but there's one in there, which I thought was really funny. I was like, in our year of 2023, amazing. Two in one year, we got one in Son of the Star. So good so good so yeah anyway percy sneaks up to olympus he manages to get into zeus's brunch super exclusive and percy has an invite except not really because he snuck inside and then he does some classic spy movie shit and just like gets underneath the dessert cart because he has to get the the cb cup all the way over to ganymede who's basically crying on the other side of the room because he has no job to do and he's just standing there being eye candy how hard what a hard life he was living right now um yeah, so, and I just know that when Percy was underneath the dessert cart, I just know 
that he was singing the fucking Mission Impossible theme to himself. There's no way that you can't be, right? It's too funny. And it's too funny of a situation to not be like, dun, 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 dun. Do not draw suspicion to yourself. Oh no, is that Athena looking at me? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, so Athena like catches him and then they have like a mind conversation where she basically like covers for him and he's like so excited. He's like, oh my God, this is her accepting me. Actually, that's Annabeth who comes to that conclusion later on. And I'm like, bitch, why do you care? Why do you care if Athena is accepting you? At this point, it's been five fucking years of her and your dad making your life fucking hell right? Fucking hell. She sent you on an entire quest in Greece that no other Athenian kid has succeeded at and she treated you like shit the entire time. So why do you care if she likes your boyfriend or not? Ew. Hate it. Hating it. So yeah, then Percy manages to get the the cup to Ganymede and he's just like, oh my god, thank you so much. Zeus, would you like some nectar? (laughs) Special Ganymede recipe number seven or whatever it is. So, yeah. And then Percy, like, skedaddles really fast. And he's like, I gotta get out of here. Um, yeah, and basically makes it back down to to the real world and goes back home. And then he has to, like, write his own recommendation letter. And f- I was about to call him Phil. <laughs> Paul and Sally and Annabeth are, like, literally no help at all. And they're, like, just gonna laugh at him the whole time, which is really funny. And then, yeah, he takes the letter to Eudora. And Eudora basically gives him, like, a pat on the back. Um, oh wait, no, that's before that because she's like, don't forget to mention me because I did so much for you. <laughs> and then the thing that I like had so much of a problem with, and I read this chapter three times just to make sure, is that the title for the last chapter is something like the best goodnight kiss of all time. And yet, Rick, is the kiss in the room with us? I understand that it's a reference to Last Olympian, but if you're going to reference something, maybe actually do it. Because where the fuck was the goodnight kiss? Did I miss it? I read it three times. I'm pretty sure that there was none. Which made me really annoyed. (laughs) And then speaking of chapter titles, they were fucking amazing. They were giving all the OG Percy realness that I really wanted. Which was just great. The nostalgia was nostalgia-ing. And I love that Heebie-Jeebies was also a nostalgia trap. How good. How good. So yeah, my overall thoughts of like this book did i have any notes about that third section first um oh <laughs> one thing i forgot to like say is that when uh when sally announced to percy that she was pregnant she said something along the lines of percy came much later than expected and i want to know sally how long is much later right because if you have listened like if anybody here has listened to any of episodes of um oh my god what's owen's podcast called through the mist i was on through the mist with fran from the best damn camp we were on owen's podcast through the mist and we were talking about sally's pregnancy journey with percy right because there were only a couple of options for how long she was pregnant for the options are like one month or, which it can't be that because she's saying that Percy came much later than expected. So then one of the other options is that she was pregnant for like a year, which is crazy, but maybe that's what this is. Like maybe demigod pregnancies are much longer than normal pregnancies. I mean, the third option was that Poseidon carried Percy for a little while in like a seahorse type <laughs> situation, <laughs> oh, which is hilarious. Um, so yeah, the options were like Bella Swan pregnancy or like 
ancient long pregnancy or seahorse pregnancy. So I wonder if Sally is going with the ancient long option, secret option number three. So yeah, I thought that was really funny. Another thing that I found really funny was when they met Garrus, he said something like, live fast, die young, and leave a sexy corpse. And I cannot believe that Rick used this quote. As far as I'm aware, this is originally from the US version of The Office, which is just hilarious because it's something that Stanley Hudson says. <laughs> and so Rick's putting them. After that, I could only picture him as Stanley Hudson. Oh, God. In a diaper. So yeah, then my other notes for this like last section were just, I can't believe that Percy is hating on brunch. Him shitting on brunch was not on my 2023 bingo card, you know? It's just, I'm a big fan of brunch. I love brunch. It's so like good, especially like a bottomless brunch, because if it's in like a deal, then you really only pay for your breakfast and like a little bit extra, and you can have as many drinks as you want in two hours. How good is that? I love day drinking. <laughs> I'm sure that this is not surprising to anybody. I am Australian. It's part of my DNA to day drink and to drink in general. It's amazing. Sorry if that triggers anybody. But yeah. Um, so overall thoughts. This whole book, <coughs> excuse me, reads like a screenplay. And I couldn't get out of my head. Like that's really, it's what it feels like. Because like I understand that Rick like got his screenwriter's license or whatever. And that he's been, did he help with the scripts for the show? I don't remember, but it really, like, the way that it's written and the tone and the pace of the book, because the pace of this book was so slow, like, if, if we're talking about comparing it to The Lightning Thief and you want to make that many references to The Lightning Thief, I'm fairly sure that by chapter five in The Lightning Thief that we were already at camp. And by chapter five in this book, where were we at? Oh, Ganymede was going into the smoothie shop. That was where we were at. Like, the difference, it was so slow compared to The Lightning Thief, and yet not. Like, it's just, yeah, anyways. So, like, the pacing and the tone make it feel so different. It feels like, to me, it was written as, as a screenplay. Obviously not formatted like one, because that would be, like, really weird. But the pacing of the dialogue and the inner monologue is very, like, movie, TV show scene-ish, if that makes sense. Like, the way that they talk over each other and the way that, like, in they interject and just the way that they, like stand in the scene and the pacing of everything it just feels very screenplay-ish to me and so it was like giving me like off vibes and I didn't I don't like the way that like a screenplay requires you to spell certain things out and I feel like that's what Rick has done in not letting the audience like have their own you know interpretation or their own like whatever about the book or put things together like that's my we all know that's my favorite part of reading a book is figuring it out before anybody else because i have competition issues and i like to win joe doesn't like that about me <laughs> anyways yeah i just i just feel like that's that was what was annoying me and i know that i said before that i liked the you know interjection of of Percy's regular life with his demigod life and his quest life but in saying that this book has zero urgency like none it's not till like three quarters of the way through the book that you go oh he actually needs this cup by a certain he needs the chalice by a certain point so we have to like get our asses into gear but that you don't get any of that for the rest of the book so there's like no urgency at all if it was like hey Percy you have two weeks left of school and you need three recommendation letters then I can understand it but at this point, he's like, oh, I'm, like, just chilling. I'm like, no, there's no, like, drive to get to the next point. So that was kind of annoying me. And he had so many assignments, and I was having flashbacks, which was really frustrating. 
god other like overall thoughts is percy is so i said this at the beginning but percy is so like he he has a one-track mind and that track is annabeth and that has had gone on since son of neptune when he literally had no idea about anything else in his life except for annabeth she was one constant amazing we love the romance in that and i love that he is now taking the stance that there has never been any other person for him no other woman no other man which percy we were in your head for five years babe we fucking know that you and Rachel had a thing. You and Beckendorf could have had a thing. You and Luke definitely had something. Like, there was something going on there. It just... You can't say Annabeth is the only... You can say that she's the only girl for you now, but you can't say she's the only... She's only ever been the only girl for me. And I'm like, that's wrong. <laughs> like, Aphrodite messed in your life for a reason. <laughs> Imagine if Aphrodite heard you say that. She would be like, right, well, he obviously didn't try hard enough then, and she would ruin your life even more. <laughs> Actually, that's a book I would read. <laughs> Can you just imagine 17-year-old Percy being suddenly like, Aphrodite, why are you here again? And she's like, I heard you were talking shit about me. <laughs> oh, God. I love my brain. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, gosh. So yeah, I just love that he like denies other women, other women like exist at all for this entire book. And that's hilarious to me. Hilarious. So yeah, those are pretty much like my overall thoughts. Like, did I like this book? What would I rate it out of 10? Actually, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to rate it out of 10. Is there, ooh, is there a Ryan verse book that this is better or worse than? See, that's kind of hard. That's kind of hard to define because if I think about this book as a whole, I lack the plot. I like the plot of this book, except for everything that I said that I didn't like about it. But I like, when I think about the beats of it, I'm like, yes, okay, it makes sense to go from heebie-jeebies to Iris and the river to the little horn servanty guys to old age and beating him with a fucking dance battle, you know? That it makes sense to me, because that's very Percy. And then the brunch thing, that's just, it's, oh, I love it. And the Mission Impossible, so good, okay? But when I was reading the book, did I enjoy it? No, I did not. Because I was, I felt myself comparing it to the original series the entire time. So, like, if I think about the book as a whole and as, like, a, this is what the story is, love, amazing. Execution-wise, no. No, because it didn't feel like Percy. So it's really frustrating. My overall enjoyment of the book. Maybe it's at, like, the same kind of level as the Kane Chronicles, which I like. But would I read them again? I don't know. I don't know. Will I reread Chalice of the Gods before the next one comes out? Probably not. Anyways, this could change. Oh, actually, well, I'm going to have to read it before the next one comes out because we will do it for the podcast. Silly Kate. My goodness, what were you doing? And maybe it'll be fun the second time around because we'll go slow and Joe will be with me and I'll be able to laugh because she'll be frustrated. So maybe that will make it more enjoyable for me. Yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe. Well... Yeah, I don't know what to think. Um, maybe you guys let me know what you thought, if you've read it. Because cause I'm kind of stuck. Kind of stuck, in my opinion. But that's 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 neither here nor there. I'm not going to edit this. Love that for you guys, dealing with me and my random thoughts. I hope I finished every thought that I made. I have a tendency to like start a sentence and then not finish it. 
and just like leave it out in the universe and normally that's fine because joe's here and she can interrupt me and talk about something else and take the tangent away and we just ignore where we were going with it but when i'm by myself and i'm rambling i try to make it come back full circle but i don't know that that happens today so yeah anyways okay well next uh week we'll get back into mark of athena from memory we're getting into the hercules atlas kind of section i think i think that's where we're at uh don't come at me anyways so that will be fun um yeah stick around for that if you want to send me an email then i am damsnackbarpod.com and if you want to find me on the td talks or the instagrams then i am katie.damsnackbarpod to take joe's line if you guys want to find all the rest of our personal stuff it's linked in the description oh my god i miss joe did I say the TikTok? If you want to find the TikTok, it's katie.demsnackbarpod. Did I say that? I don't know. I miss Joe. So yeah, next week, don't know what chapters they are. Probably 25 to 28? No? Yes. No. Yes. Yes, they are. Are they? I'm asking like you guys can answer. <laughs> I have to go. Okay, bye! Ba 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 